Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Amen. You can be seated. Praise God. Well, it is, I've had a good time. And uh, hanging out with uh, Pastor Blake and Carl and seeing all of you guys and it's grown so much. It's a great crowd for a Saturday night, and you could be doing a lot of other things that you'd feel bad about tomorrow morning, but you're not going to feel bad tomorrow morning. Amen? So praise God. Wonderful to be here. We're going to just get into the Word of God tonight, and uh, I pray God knows who was going to be here before you got here, and He tailor fits things for us. I love that. It's not one size fits all. And um, so tonight, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Acts. Um, we're going to work out of Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. But I want to look tonight at, um, I, I've been going through the book of Acts recently again, and it's a, it's a book that I read a lot. You know why I read Acts is because it's, it is the pattern for our churches today. And uh, you, don't, you shouldn't look at the mega church and what they're doing. You should look at the book of Acts and what was going on in the book of Acts. You shouldn't look at this denomination or that denomination. You know, many denominations over time, they just get off. And they start with the fire and they end with death. Uh, and nobody's, I'm not saying that with arrogance tonight. We have to be careful of exactly the same thing. We're not technically a denomination, but you can start one way and end up a different way. But the book of Acts will keep you straight. How many would agree with that? And as you go through the book of Acts, it's got dynamic preaching in it, which is great. We love it. Uh, it there's tremendous opposition. They're just resisting and fighting and stoning people and throwing them in jail and all kinds of demonic opposition. But one thing you see all the way through the book of Acts, is people keep getting saved. In the church, people should be getting saved. And when people stop getting saved, we're not doing something right someplace. And so in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, and it says, and, and with many words he testified and he exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his, his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Pretty good altar call, right? 3,000 people get saved. Acts chapter 2, verse 47 says, And praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily. Everybody say daily. daily. Those who were being saved. So, there's big groups getting saved. There's people just through one-on-one -on -one, uh, ministering and witnessing. Daily, people are getting saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 3 says, and they, and they laid hands on them, and they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. And however, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. That's pretty significant. That means if 5,000 men got saved, there's a good chance it was 10,000 if you add women and children into that group. So uh, one thing that's remarkable is you see so many people getting saved. And when people stop getting saved in a church, or even at, we stop participating in that, because how many know it's not just our church, we're, we're all to be involved in the harvest. And so when that stops happening, it indicates a problem. 
And so I want to just give you something tonight that um, God put on my heart. And when I got saved, uh, right away I was attracted to the boldness of soul winning. And my pastor at that time, he was bold. Uh, one of the first times when I met him, he would go outside the high school when they would load the school buses up, and he would pass out tracts to all the high schoolers. And it was technically illegal, and they would run him off, and he would come back the next day. And uh, he would witness to him. And so after I got saved, within the first week or two weeks, he says, let's go out on a, uh, a Friday night and go witnessing. Oh, that sounded wonderful. It's like the first time somebody says, we're going to have a fast. Oh, I'll commit to three days. And all of a sudden you realize three days fasting is a whole different story than you thought. I, I said, I can do three days. You know, I, I'm skinny anyhow. I don't, you know, I was dying. But the, so he says, let's go out and go witnessing. And uh, I said, okay, you know, I, I didn't really know what we were in for. And he, so he, I said, where are we going to go? He said, well, we're going to go out in, in Cortez, you know, small town America. Uh, on Friday night, how many know what Dragon Maine means? At least five of us. <laughs> in a small town, they drag Maine. There's only one Maine deal. So all the kids, the ones that have cars, drive. The ones that don't get in with the ones that have cars. And they just go up and down Main Street and get into trouble with the other and, and fight. And then they pull over, and we had, uh, we called it Safeway Parking Lot. And then all the, the main draggers pull into the parking lot, and they get on the tailgates, and they drink beer, and they get in the back seats together and do things we can't talk about. All this stuff goes down, and uh, it's, it's a party scene, and, and it's an intimidating scene to take the gospel. So I asked Pastor, I said, he, I said, where are we going? He says, we're going down to Safeway Parking Lot. And I'm thinking, why did I tell him I would go? So I told him, I said, well, I'll go with you. I said, you know, I'm 17 years old. These are my high school people that I went to school with. And I'm all for being a Christian, but this was an intimidation. So I remember going down to that parking lot, and I told Pastor, I said, I will go, and I will stand there with you, but I will not say anything. I'll pray for you. You talk, I pray. And so, so that's what happened. We went down. Thank God for bold pastors. Pastor, he was a skinny little white boy, bald head, going bald when in his 20s. And he was down there, and he just stepped into that crowd. And he began to witness to my classmates and to people that were, uh, you know, drinking and partying and, 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 and belligerent. And he stepped in there. And I'm telling the Holy, and a few minutes later, he's on his knees praying with somebody. And I looked at that and I said, God, I want to be like that. And I, right there, I said, I, something came over me and I lost my fear. And I took some of those tracks. Remember, I told him I wouldn't say that. And the next thing, I'm just witnessing to people. And I'm giving tracks to, and I'm telling them about Jesus. And it's like the fear, you know, that fear that comes on you is a lie. It's like fake brick. It looks tough and big, but the fake brick is not very strong. And I, I, so at, at the end of that night, I got a revelation, right? The first week I got saved. And it's that, that I can be bold for God. And I can stand and I can witness. And I'm telling you, when you step into that arena, something of God comes on you that is beyond you. And it is powerful. We had people that got saved. Some that actually are still, uh, the results of that are in our church today, all these years later. 
So I want to talk to you tonight about what we see in the book, about being a soul winner, about helping people, about bringing people to Christ. You know, and I, I felt such a compulsion from that from my earliest years to witness to people. And, and um, I, I remember when I got my driver's license, you know, you know the Holy Ghost will compel you. Even when you're afraid, you got to go beyond fear. And when I got, I turned 16, or it was the, it was the later one. It was the the 18 year old when you get re up it again. So I went in there and uh, had to drive again. And and uh, I think yeah, I think I was driving again for the second. Anyways, I was in that line, and they there was two instructors, and they said, uh, "You don't want this one guy because he's mean, and he flunks everybody." So I'm saying, oh, God, don't let me get him. And when I was in that line, the Holy Spirit began to deal with me to witness to that mean one. And I thought, oh, God, you're just really pushing it now. And I'm tell I was so afraid my leg was shaking. You ever had your leg shake? Hopefully your pants aren't so loose that it shows. But anyhow, and I got up there, and you know when God puts his hand on you, you got to obey and I remember, and I talked to that man, and I, I said to him, I said, has anybody ever talked to you about Jesus? And you know what? His face just softened. He was very kind to me. He was receptive. He didn't get saved right there, but, uh, you know, I passed the test, and within a few months, that gentleman was dead of cancer. I didn't know that. God knew that. I hope he's in heaven. I hope that that simple gospel message from a shaky teenage boy maybe made some difference in his life. I ran into a lady last week in town, and, and I recognize this lady. I haven't seen her for many years, but when I was first saved, the, uh, 1979 through about the mid-'80s, um, I worked in a radio station, and I, was, uh, uh, I worked with this, and I looked at that lady. I remembered her husband. Her husband's name was Stan. And uh, I remember I was working with him, and I didn't really like the guy. He was just kind of rude and anyways, but the, the Spirit of God was dealing with me. You need to talk to him. And uh, so I remember to this day, sitting there at the counter, everybody was gone. It was either really late or really early in the morning. And, and this guy, he played the guitar, and he was, he was sitting there. And, and, and I remember thinking, how am I going to talk to this guy? God, I don't even like the guy. And... Uh, Anyways, God dealt with me, and I witnessed to Stan that day, and I shared the gospel with him. I still remember his face. I remember what we, that conversation, and I saw his wife just the other day, and I was thinking in my mind, I talked to your husband. I don't know where she's at. I, it wasn't where I could talk to her, but I still remember talking to that man and all the encounters over the years, and I, I've, I've always wanted God to make me a, a champion soul winner and to help me. And I don't know that I am that, but I'm always working at it. And so let me just give you some thoughts tonight. You know, the, the disciples, they weren't fancy people. In fact, sometimes we think, well, if, if I was educated, let me tell you, don't get pride or put your faith in education. It serves its purpose, but it doesn't make you any more usable to God. It doesn't make you any better before God. The, these, these fishermen were... were uh, it says that in Acts 4, so it says they were uneducated and untrained men, yet they were great soul winners. They were uneducated. 
They had no uh, BAs, no MBAs, no PhDs after their name, but they were powerful men of God. If we do half as much as these apostles, we've done a lot. They, they didn't have five years of Bible school under their belt. They didn't have any training. They, um, they had, some people think that to be a soul winner or to be evangelistic is like a gifting. No, it's not a gifting. It's a mandate. All of us are called. He didn't say those of you that have the uh, evangelism calling on your life. No, it's, it's for, he said, go into all the world. He does not qualify that to just a, a special few of, of you know, the, uh, the crazy ones. It's to all of us. Okay, so how many can see that tonight? And if you'll open your heart, maybe you can walk away with a few things. I'm just a real person. I get afraid. I still get afraid when I witness to people, but I do it, and God always helps me. That spirit of fear is not going to own me. So um, I'm just going to give you a few things that will help you tonight to be on your way to be a champion soul winner. Here's the first one. The first thing is you have to believe in your product. You have to believe that everybody desperately needs to get saved. When I worked in radio, uh, the, the man that I worked for, his name was Rich Hamilton, he had bought the radio station from the previous owner, and uh, that owner had other businesses in town, and they sold out. Her name was Dottie Waite, so she sold the um, uh, radio station to Rich Hamilton. And after he left, I was in one of the meetings one day, and he's talking to all of us, and that my boss believed that radio advertisement was the way to go. He believed it, and he believed when he went out and sold it, everybody should be advertising on radio, and he made a statement. He said, Dottie Way didn't really believe in radio advertisement. He says, you know how I know? Because when she sold the radio station, she quit advertising on radio. She just, her business, she didn't advertise, but I'm going to tell you today, we need to believe in the product. And so the devil comes and, think, and he says things like, well, they're doing all right. Well, they're a good person. Friend, you have to understand, we, we, we know every person needs to get saved. I don't care how their life looks. Salvation is a huge word. It means deliverance. It means hope. It deals with the eternal side of things. It deals with the here and now as well. To be saved literally means to be healed. It means to, be, to prosper. It means to be rescued. And so you have to believe that everybody, you know, if, if you don't really believe that everybody desperately needs it, you're not going to be that serious about it. But when you believe in something, now you're on the way to becoming a good salesman for whatever you believe in. Acts 4.12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The simple gospel. What's the simple gospel? First of all, you got to tell them who Jesus is. Then you got to tell them what Jesus has done. And thirdly, you got to tell them how to benefit for yourself by what Jesus did. But there's, there's only, I don't care. They might have been raised a good Baptist. They might be, uh, you know, many times we were at a restaurant today and, and uh, Pastor Blake, Talked to the waitress a little bit, and immediately she deferred, well, my parents, and it's kind of a, a shifting thing. If I can get you to talk about my parents, we're not going to be talking about me. And he said, he said you know, what about you? Where are you? You know why? Because he realized it doesn't matter what her parents, she needs to be saved. You need to be saved. I don't care what your parents did or didn't do. Every person needs to be saved. 
And there was a woman, we call her the Samaritan woman, and she came out, and Jesus cracked her wide open. He talked to her. Nobody else was there. And he told her all about her life. He says, go get your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. And the last, the one, the last four are gone, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. And she, but I'm telling you, when, when he was done with that woman, she believed in Jesus. And she went back into that town, and she said, you need to come hear this man. In John uh, 8, 4, 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. Why? Because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. She believed in Jesus. She believed everybody in that town needed to talk to Jesus. She believed that everybody should have an encounter, and he should tell them about themselves. She believed it. The trouble is, a lot of times, we don't really believe in our product. We don't believe everybody needs to be saved. Well, they're a good person. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And no man comes to the Father but my. I don't care whether you're a Methodist, whether you're a Baptist. You need to know Jesus. There's not, you know, say, well, they're a, uh, they're a Muslim. They have their, no, there's only one way. His name is Jesus. He's a narrow gate. He's a narrow door. And so you got to believe as you talk to somebody. Why, why do we risk upsetting them? Because we believe he's the only way. We're not preaching Victory World Outreach tonight. We're preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen? So you have to believe they need to be saved. And, you know, you talk to people and they look so good. You say, well, I know that crazy drug addict, drug addict needs Jesus. Well, so does that, that person that has a Ph.D. and looks like their life is together. They're just as hurting. But we, we tend to do this thing, well, well uh, not every, no, everybody has a desperate need. And you have the best product. It's, it, is, it is what changes everything in people's lives. So that's the first thing. Believe in your product. And your product is Jesus Christ. Everybody needs him. Secondly, there has to be a willingness simply to step out and to try to endeavor. Now, the word disciple really means it's not just one who learns. It's not just one who gets book smart and sets in a classroom someplace or goes through a course. That's what a lot of people think discipleship is. Well, I'm going to discipleship class. Now, I, I have no problem with, with what we did today, but the real discipleship happens when we go and we endeavor. A, dis, a disciple is one who learns by endeavoring. So you've just got to be willing to try. You've got to do what I did that first few weeks. I was saved. And I just went out there and tried, and guess what? It worked. And it stirred, and it unleashed something in my heart. You know, Peter just decided to try to walk on water, and guess what? He walked on water. Could everybody have walked on water? Yeah, if they would have tried. If they would have said, Master, bid me come. He said, okay, come. See, uh, uh, if you'll try, God can direct a moving ship. But you've got to get that ship moving. You've got to try. You've got to step out and see what God would do. Peter, uh, you know, he'd, he'd never preached the day of Pentecost. He'd ne there was no, no great ability there. But he tried, and the Holy Ghost came down. God just needs some people that will endeavor. And you don't have it all worked out. And you don't have it sorted out, but you say, I'm just going to try. I'm going to open my mouth and see what happens. So many times it's been that way for me. You know, David Wilkerson said something. He said, it seems that God does not use somebody 
greatly until they get just a little bit crazy. Until they just are willing to just bumble out there and see what God would do. You don't have to say it perfect. They don't need 10 miles of theology. They need a serious person who knows God themselves to just share with them. And so you just got to be willing to try. You know, I love, uh, we're not going to read it tonight for the sake of time, but in 1 Samuel chapter 14, you read about Jonathan and his armor bearer. And here they are, the Philistines are, are, are beating the, the you-know-what out of them, and they're, they're uh, uh, having a hard time, and, J- and Jonathan looks, and he's tired of it, and he, he says to his armor bearer, he says, come, let's go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. And his armor bearer says, Jonathan, do what's, what's in your heart. Let's just try. They had no guarantees. They said, we're, we're two men, there's a whole group of them, and we're going to just see what happens. So they go out there, and, and they said this, it may be that the Lord will work for us. Those are powerful words. If you open your mouth, it may be the Lord will work for you. You talk to your neighbor, it may be that the Lord will work for you. And at the end of the, the next thing, it may be they'll be kneeling on the sidewalk with you and giving their heart to Jesus Christ. And heaven will come down. And whole families will get saved. It may be. You've just got to be willing to endeavor. And in that case, Jonathan takes his armor bearer. He goes out there. And those two kill 20 Philistines by themselves. That's like superpowers, right? Two against 20. They killed them. And God helped them. Why? Because they just said, we're going to see what God will do here. I'm not, you, you may say, well, I'm not good at this, but I don't, I'm going to be as good as I can be. Amen? And you just begin to talk. You begin to, you know, and you'll be amazed how God will lead you. Something will come on you, and you'll walk away. You go, wow. That's pretty good. That's good preaching. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost got in the middle of you. And it wasn't you preaching. It was the Holy Ghost preaching to you. Because he wants him saved more than anybody. So you've just got to be willing to endeavor. The third thing is this. Witnessing and soul winning by its very nature has to be bold. It doesn't always mean that it's in your face. <laughs> we, didn't, we used to do around Christmas time. And uh, we'd go out and we would sing Christmas carols. And then we'd share a testimony. Then we'd sing some more Christmas carols. It really wasn't about Christmas carols. But it was about a chance to preach. And, I mean, we had this one guy, his name was Danny Saunders. And he was loud, and, I mean, we're singing Christmas carols. The next thing he's shouting in that microphone, turn or burn. (laughs) It's a miracle. It's a miracle that we didn't get thrown in jail. Amen? But, But the, I'm not telling you that we need to tell people that while we're singing Christmas carols. There can be some wisdom and some grace and, and listening to the Holy Spirit. You have to know the guy. But anyways, what I am telling you is that by its very nature, the gospel has to be bold. It is the substance of what carries the gospel message. And if you, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 14, watch, catch the boldness in this. It says, but Peter, standing up, he's not sitting down, he's standing up. You know, I'm not sitting here, sitting on a nice little stool with my legs crossed. I'm preaching with boldness. Peter was standing up, and he says, and he raised his voice. Okay, we're not whispering and, and just being oh so. He raised his voice. 
And he said, men of Judea. How many can hear the confrontation? The gospel confronts. It's not this nicey-nice message. I'm not saying there can't be, that the Holy Spirit does not taper it at times, but I'm telling you by its very nature, it has to be bold. It has to cut through. And it says, and all of those who dwell, men of Judea, and all of those that dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Is that not bold? Listen up, people. Listen to what I'm telling you. And he communicates them, heed my words. Boldness. Pastor Jones always says it's a collision of souls. You don't nicey-nice witness. There is something. You can say it as nice as you want, but it is a confrontation. It is people going one way, and you're telling them they need to stop and go the other direction. It is, it is light and darkness. It is black and white. And so you, people can say, well, if you would say it right, I am so sick of that. You ain't saying nothing, but I ain't saying it right. I don't think so. Just say it, okay? Just say it. Just start and see what God does. It's, it is a confrontation. And if it makes somebody mad, that's probably the person that you're getting through to. That's okay. Now, I'm not saying that we just try to be buttheads to people. I'm not saying that we try to be jerks to people. I try to listen to the Holy Ghost. I try to sense what's going on. I try to let God lead me. But real boldness comes from a man's spirit. It's more than just your words. It's something in your very nature. I've had people tell me, well, you were shouting at me. But in reality, I wasn't shouting. But my boldness was shouting. I talked to a, another preacher in Cortez a while back. And... Uh, uh, he, 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 we were dealing with two people. Uh, we had the wife and he had the husband. And, and so he's given me all these things that he thinks needs to go on. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy's losing his mind. And so I said some things to him and he, what he said later, he says, he says, well, that preacher shouted at me. I didn't shout at him, but I had boldness in my spirit. Sometimes it's just the tone of your voice. My, my wife will even tell me with the grandkids sometimes. She says, when you talk, sometimes you scare them. And uh, the other day I was talking to Peyton, and so she's, she's there, and, and she pulled back a little bit. I says, you, you, you come back, and you get over. And I just made her love me. And, and, uh, but you know what? There's, when there's something in your spirit, it's okay if people are a little bit scared. I tell you what, I've gotten right in the middle sometimes with people. When you, you know, there's a time when sometimes even sinners need a rebuke. I, I was, a few years ago, we were in Farmington, we were on an outreach, and I went up, and, and these guys were sitting there, and they began to mock, and I'm telling you, the fire of God came over me. I, I looked them right in the eye, I said, you guys can run your mouths, and you can be all cute all you want, and I said, you're going to end up in hell one day. They felt it, they didn't, they quit mocking. There's, a, there's something, there's boldness. Now, there again, I want you to listen to the Holy Ghost. But boldness has to be in your soul. We do not soft sell the gospel. It, it is a collision. Acts 3.1, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man was lame from his mother's womb, and they carried, and was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask for alms. Of those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for the, of them alms. Watch this. And fixing his eyes on them with John, Peter said, look at us. How many can see the boldness there? You want to get people? He said, look at us. 
There was, there was something commanding there. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up. And he took him by the right hand, and he lifted him up. That's a bold move. When you grab a crippled man and yank him to his feet. That's like Smith Wigglesworth stuff. But I, what I'm going to tell you today is that the gospel is a bold message. We're not going to try to soft sell it and nicey night. I'm telling you, the devil's going to fight. He, you are ripping people out of his kingdom. We are being transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It's going to be a fight. And it's going to take prayer. You fight in prayer. You fight with the word of God. But you have to have boldness. Acts 4 Peter boldly came and he says, Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, is that not bold? Whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. That's a bold message. So boldness actually comes by the Holy Ghost. It's more than belligerence. It's more than just words. It's something, it's a deep belief. And it will cut through all the chaff. It will shut down the most uh, worldly wise person. And it will bring the power of God and cause it to bear fruit. It's boldness means outspokenness, frankness, bluntness, assurance, confidence, unreserved utterance, freedom of speech with frankness, candor, cheerful courage, and the opposite of cowardice, timidity, timidity or fear. Here it denotes a divine enablement. I like that. A divine enablement that comes to ordinary and unprofessional people exhibiting spiritual power and authority. It also refers to a clear presentation of the gospel without being ambiguous or unintelligible. It is not a human quality, but a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. After the day of Pentecost, they witnessed more than they ever had before. So you got to have boldness. You say, how do I get that? Get more of the Holy Ghost, and then step out, and boldness will fall on you as you step out. The fourth thing is this. Be with Jesus. We're not Jehovah's Witnesses. We're not people that are knocking on doors so that we can knock on enough to make it to heaven. We're not earning our way to heaven. That happened solely by what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. He paid the price. But if you are not real with people, they sense it. When you spend time with Jesus, his presence gets in you and on you. And there's something. They, they could tell that the disciples had been with Jesus. They, they sense something. Be with Jesus. What does that mean? That means take some time in prayer. It means pray in the Spirit. It means touching base with God every morning and seeking Him and saying, Lord, let your presence be with me today. People sense that you've been with Jesus or not. They sense that maybe you're dried up and you're just going through the motions. You don't get brownie points that you just need to be with Jesus. And when, that, when that's uh, uh, on you, I'm telling you that people sense it. Spend time. That's where prayer comes in. Somebody said, nights of prayer leads to days of power. Nights of prayer lead to days of power. Acts 4.13 says, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Be with Jesus. And here's the last one. Work at it. Second uh, Timothy 4.5, Paul tells Timothy, work at telling others the good news. You know, I work at it all the time. How do you work at it? Take tracks with you. Set yourself some goals. 
I haven't done it yet, but I'm thinking about doing something. I'm thinking about setting myself a goal and in one day trying to talk to 100 people about Jesus, just for the fun of it, just for the wonder of it. Say, God, how'd you like to witness to 100 people in one day? That's, you know what that's called? That's called working at it. That's called working at it. Well, maybe, maybe, how about you just talk to one person every day this next week? There's a plan. Work at it. And so Paul told Timothy, Timothy, work at telling others the good news. That's what the NLT says. Work at telling others the good news. So if, if you'll begin to work at it, you know, there's, there's some good stuff out there. How many have heard of Ray Comfort? He, he's, he, he deals with people. You know, some people don't think they need to get saved. So he takes them to the Ten Commandments. He says, have you, uh, have you ever looked at somebody and lusted? Well, then you're an adulterer in the Bible. Have you ever lied and hated? Well, then you're a murderer. And by the end of it, he has them hanging their head. I'm a lying, murdering, parent-hater person. You ever, you ever dishonored your father and your mother? Okay, what he does is he makes you realize why you need Jesus because you broke every one of the Ten Commandments. How many know what I'm talking about? There's some, there's some good things to learn. Maybe you should go through uh, those, those Ten Commandments and, and, and think about them and, 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 and dealing with people. There's lots we could say today. It's not just memory, but you got to work at it. you got to care. you got to have tracks available. I have tracks in my car. I have tracks in, on my, uh, in, in, in my motel laying on the counter that I've been carrying and I've been handing out and giving to different. I work at it all the time. You know, we talk about Pastor Jones a lot because he it means a lot to us. But Pastor Jones has worked at it his whole life. I'll call him up. I say, what are you doing today? He says, well, I'm down in Albertsons. I just got kicked out for witnessing to people. He's working at it. I love that. I love it when, when he's an older man and he's still working and he's still preaching. And he'll get out there and he'll sing them a song and he'll share with them. I'll tell you why. You keep, you'll be a novelty for God. People want to be TikTok and all this. Just go out. You'll be the most popular person if you'll go out to one of these grocery stores and just begin to be filled with Jesus. It's a wonderful thing. I want to be a champion soul winner. How about you? There are people, I started praying that earlier and God, I said, make me. If I don't, I tell you what, that would be the highest calling. No matter, it, it, I, don't, I didn't say, God, make me a great preacher of sermons. No, I said, God, make me a champion, soul winner. When I get to heaven, please, Lord, let there be some people that I brought. I want to be, Jesus said to those disciples, I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, I'm going to make you builders of megachurches. He said, I will make you fishers of men. I want, how many want to be a fisher of men? You, it starts with your families, your neighbor. Maybe you make, have a goal. Say, I'm going to talk to everybody on my block about Jesus. See, I, I, in, as I worked, the reason I talked to, to Stan that day was because I said, I'm going to witness to everybody that I work with at some point. I'm going to talk to every one of them. And so I begin to check them off my list. I'm going to talk to my neighbors. I'm going to talk to my friends. And so I'm always thinking about that. And uh, there's been a few times over the years when I didn't obey that, and the next thing I know, they died or they were gone. And it is like a knife in my heart. Old old man that I I, uh, bred one of our mares to his stallion, and and he came out, and and this guy, I knew he had some health issues, and he... uh, he came out to look at this colt that had been born, and he had oxygen on. And, and in, in that moment, uh, I was, he was just, we were just talking horses at that point. And, and I, I felt like I should witness to him, but I didn't do it. And within a couple of weeks, 
I called her up, and she said, he's gone. That hurt my heart. I pray to God that somebody talked to the man and that he heard the gospel message. That doesn't excuse me, though. How many are with me? Now, I'm not going to walk. What it says is I won't do that again. If, if God tells you to witness to somebody, it may be their very last chance. They may go into eternity within days or hours, and you don't know that you might be the last hurrah for them to get saved and go to heaven. Let's bow our heads today for just a few moments. Champion soul winners, God wants to help us as Christians. But I want to just say tonight that if you're not saved, tonight's your night. What does it mean to be saved? It means simply that you admit that you are lost. You admit that you are a sinner. And you admit that, that you need Jesus in your life. You need to be forgiven. You need to be cleansed. You need the hope of your calling in Christ Jesus. As every head's bowed, every eye's closed. How many slip your hands up right now? God is talking to you. You sense His Spirit dealing with you. And by raising your hand, you're saying, I want to get saved tonight. I, I want to receive. I want to be like one of those people you read about in, book, in the book of Acts, and it said 3,000 got saved, 5,000. I want to get saved tonight. God, I see your hands up over here. How many others tonight you'd say, I want Jesus in my heart. I want Jesus in my life. How many others tonight? Very quickly, God's talking to you. It's a very real decision tonight. Don't take it lightly. It's not just a religious thing. How many others tonight? God's talking to you. This may be your last time. If, you, if in the next five minutes you were to go into eternity, is there a shadow of a doubt of where you would go? If there is any question, I want you to raise your hand right now. Any question whatsoever. Other hands are going up, you young people. Now, I want to do something tonight. If you raise your hand tonight, just I want you just to stand at your seat very quickly. We're going to pray together tonight. If you raise your hand, you want to receive Jesus, just stand quickly at your seat. You kids, that's okay. You can stand. Whoever raised your hand, just stand. Be bold tonight. Again, if you're going to get saved, you've got to be bold. Amen? Let's just stand. Now, let's, uh, I, I wanted to do that because it, it, it just says that you're serious with God. Now, let's everybody stand tonight. All of us just stand. And I want to pray I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I need you. I admit that I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I hate my life of sin. And I believe that right now you have forgiven me and that your blood cleanses me and it breaks the curse on my life. Come into my heart. Direct my life all the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.